0: Is anybody listening? Can anybody hear the crazy things they say? Is anybody listening? Or are you happy just to laugh at them and call it a day? Hello and welcome to the Collier Democratic Roundup, the official podcast of the Collier County Democratic Party. My name is Jeff Spencer and I am the vice chair of the Collier Democratic Party and the host of this podcast. Thank you guys for clicking on. This is another special episode of the Roundup where we bring you the candidate spotlight of Florida House District 80 candidate Laura Novosad. A reminder this recording is of a live event and there are some minor audio glitches, but we always feel the opportunity to hear from a candidate outweighs the slight technical hiccup. This event was recorded on July 7th.
1: Welcome, everybody, to the Collier County Democratic Party's candidate spotlight. This evening, we have a spotlight on our state House District 80 candidate. Ms. Laura Novosad. Uh, Laura actually entered the race um, a couple of weeks before the filing deadline and we were really pleased to have her enter the race because uh, we looked into Ms. Novosad's background and saw that uh, she has a lot to offer to her district. So we're very honored to have her run. Uh, So Laura, thank you for running and also thank you for being with us uh, this evening. Um, If you look at Ms. Novosad's district it's actually uh it covers two counties it entirely covers hendry county and it covers uh, kind of northeastern collier county so this district um, is a rural district has a lot of farmland it includes labelle and clewiston felda in hendry county and then in collier county it includes immokalee ave maria and orange tree um, it also has a little bit of the coast of lake Okeechobee and a lot of agriculture, um, as I said. So uh, this is Laura Novosad's district, state rep, uh, House District 80. Um, and if you would like to go on Laura's website, I suggest you do so. It's a great website. And you learn a lot about the issues that uh, she really cares about and wants to represent you on uh, in Tallahassee. So novosadforflorida.com is that website. And so, Laura, thank you for being with us uh, this evening. How
2: are you? I'm good, and thank you very much for having me, Anisa. Uh, it's an honor to be here, and an yeah. honor for you to ask me to run. So I blame you for this. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome.
1: Uh, it, district 80 is is an amazing district. It is uh it's well it's it's a big district. It's not the largest House district out there, but it's extremely rural. So you have a lot of people in your district that um are working in agriculture, a lot of uh, industries in your district, uh, a lot of shipping um, by freight uh, truck going in and out of your district. And obviously, you have a little bit of the coast of Lake Okeechobee. So it's an extremely interesting district. So um, how about uh, just uh, giving us a little bit of uh, information on who is Laura? Who's Laura Novosad? um, Hey,
2: everybody, my name's Laura Novosad, and I am a candidate for Florida House District 80 which covers Hendry and uh, mostly uh, all of Hendry and the eastern side of Collier. And I am running today because um, I've been seeing a lot of disparities happening in our government and it's very concerning to me. So um, I wanted to take an opportunity to talk to everybody and and let them know uh, why I decided to run. And uh, to tell the truth, it's generally not in my nature to run for office. So I've never done anything like this before. I actually asked Jennifer to run several times. Um, but it all started with an email from Anissa and she wanted to ask me who was gonna run and I started looking around and trying to help with that process and I I didn't find anyone. And in the end, I, I thought, well, why not me? Anissa asked me and I, I thought about it and you know, why not, why not me? So, well, I'm out here, and I'm I'm running for office, and I'll tell you a little bit more about me. I grew up in a pretty large family here uh, in Florida. I have four brothers, and uh, I spent my entire childhood uh, fighting for my piece of the pie, literally. I had four brothers. Don't say anything more than that. Um, And when my my dad lost his job when we were growing up, uh, we struggled. And, but there were programs in place that helped us. There were food stamp programs, there was unemployment programs, and we got back on our feet. And um, so those programs I see that sustained us are now falling away. And uh, additionally, you know, my mother suffered from mental illness and that always kept us struggling. So I spent my whole childhood struggling to just keep our heads above water. And, um, and it, it helped us a lot. It, you know, we taught, it taught us the value of work. It taught us uh, how to stretch the dollar, and it taught us many things that has sustained us in life. So um, those experiences that I had, um, even though I wasn't able to go to college right out of high school, eventually I did get the courage, and I did go through college. And uh, we all, you know, it was great to put out and get an education, so I could show my daughters how important it was. And um, so when I was younger, I worked as a as a house painter. I used to paint houses, and I got a, uh, my license for for contracting uh, and in painting. And uh, but then when I became a mother, then I didn't I didn't want to do anything but be a mother. So um, but since I have been married, I've done a lot of different jobs, including uh, when I wasn't working, I built two houses as owner builder and I took uh, the education I learned and put that to work and always trying to benefit my family and, and put food on the table in any way I could help. Um, I feel that um, that today we need change in Florida. Uh, we need to provide families with the Medicare and um, the job security that they need to thrive. They need a path to a better future. Um, and that today those, institutions that helped us are now under attack. And we see a lot of instability in families and the family institution is falling away. So we need new programs like fair housing and uh, extended affordable health care. We need job security for those and an unemployment system that works for people and not against people. We need families that have been further impacted with our educational systems, and they continue to fail our most vulnerable so there are many things that we can do to help families. But, you know, together, me and my husband, I've been married for 38 years to the same guy. And he's a wonderful man. I love him dearly. And we started with nothing. We had absolutely nothing. But it was the hard work that we made, the good decisions that we made that allowed us to live the comfortable life that we live now. And I'm hoping that we can continue that pattern for our families here in the state of Florida. So, Thank we're you. in the midst, of, yeah. We're in the midst of this pandemic, and we could help families today, right today, by doing so much more expansion of Medicaid, fixing our unemployment system to make it easier for them. So I would like to ask you to vote for me, and uh, I will close later. But thank you very much for having me on today, and I hope good. I won't let you,
1: you bring up a really good point. You know, you have um, in House District 80, you have basically an absent state rep. He has run, he's running for Congress right now, uh, way outside of your district. Um, he hasn't really done a lot to help the people of your district, uh, hang on to Medicare, hang on to unemployment benefits, hang on to the things that people need, um, to make a good life. So when people are struggling that their government actually helps to get them back on their feet, um, so that they can be, important members of their community and productive members of their community. That's something that your current house rep um, really has has fought against I'm going to go ahead and say. Um, So let's let's start with COVID-19. You know COVID-19 kind of brought to light a lot of things that um, are wrong with the system. Uh, People that maybe weren't paying attention to what was happening in Tallahassee before are now seeing as we peel away the layers to that um, how dysfunctional um, things are in the state legislature, uh, of course, in the governor's mansion as well. Um, what are your comments on how the state and the governor has responded to COVID-19? And what would you like to see, um, your state representative do, uh, from district 80? How would a state representative be able to, uh, represent, you know, the people of district 80 better?
2: Um, okay. That's really two part question. So let me just talk about COVID-19 first. Um, COVID obviously has impacted everyone. You know, our lives have been turned upside down. And um, I do feel that the response within the state of Florida to COVID has pretty much mirrored and tried to uh, support uh, our president's response to COVID instead of really looking at the science that's been put out there. Um, The CDC put out guidelines for us to reopen. First of all, the state of Florida shut down later than it should have. Number one, so we were behind the eight ball there. Then it opened too early, not following the guidelines. The guidelines clearly state that there should be declining numbers uh, consistently over a period of time, to to the point that they are at near zero. That's in the wording, the verbiage, near zero. And yet we opened with, you know, still hundreds of people being um, diagnosed with COVID on a daily basis. And now we're over 11,000 a day, we're consistently over 10,000 every day, and we're nowhere near near zero numbers. And so um, I had spoken with the, uh, a gentleman of the health department out in Immokalee and asked him what was needed. And he said, we need more uh, rapid testing kits where we can get the testing uh, and find out if someone has a problem within a 15-minute or 20-half-hour window, something like that. So that we don't have that, we we need more contact tracing to to make opening better. We we really don't have enough people. If you look at the numbers to do contact tracing, I mean, 10,000 people a day, and each person maybe has contact with 20 people. That's 20,000 people every day. We're supposed to contact and find out if they if they had COVID and get them isolated. It's unsustainable. And I think um, our governor not requiring us at this point to wear a mask and, and um, supporting the efforts to wear a mask is, is a mistake on his part. And um, I would personally like to see us go through going backwards on these uh, opening regulations. We need to fall back. You know, we're in a war here. We need to fall back. Second part of your question was about uh, Byron Donalds, who is our former. Uh, state rep in this position. And uh, I I would be very different from him. Number one, I am not going to take any special interest money. Uh, I was looking over, he was an NRA supporter. He took money from them and voted every time that he could to support um, advancement of NRA's uh, policies. I would not. I'm an advocate for uh, gun safety and um, bringing in, you know, sensible gun laws. Uh, to our state, and even doing buyback programs. And uh, he was also, and he voted to have young girls uh, get permission from their parents before they could um, get an abortion. And I'm very much against uh, limiting access to reproductive rights. And uh, so um, I would be very different in every instance on that, uh, where we're looking at women's issues. And he voted against the, you know, Keeping the ERA out there. He also went and attacked uh, our citizens' initiative and put in higher regulations and make it more difficult for us to get initiatives on the ballot, which, you know, for the last 20 years has been our main our main path to um, to getting what the citizens uh, are requesting on the ballot. He also voted to limit uh, uh, the felons' rights to vote, making them have to come forward and pay past fines so in every instance i i can see where i would uh, be very different from our past plus i'd be present i'd be here so i I'd, I'd go to your meetings i uh attend your um functions i i would uh have town halls and have opportunities for people to tell us what's going on so we can listen to their concerns
1: fantastic that's we need someone who is present and who's uh, able to listen to their community. Um, and respond to the people's needs. So that, I'm so happy that you are running. So thank you for running. If I haven't already said that, thank you for running. It's great to have someone who understands the issues and who would be a positive voice for the people in Tallahassee. Um, So um, healthcare is a big part of uh, how people spend their money right now, for-profit healthcare systems. Um, And of course, uh, when the Affordable Care Act was passed, there was a provision for States to expand Medicaid, but, um, the state of Florida hasn't done that. Would you vote to expand Medicaid and why, why should, uh, why should the state of Florida do
2: that? Well, absolutely. I would vote to expand Medicaid Uh, right now. There is a disparity of there's about five, uh, 800,000 people, which are kind of stuck in a gap between able to afford healthcare and those that are able to get it through Medicaid, um, due to income. So we could provide health care to those people immediately by expanding. Right now, we're one of only 13 states in the whole of US that has not expanded Medicaid, which is a uh, real testimony to how important the Affordable Care Act is into how much good it is doing. Um, so absolutely, I would vote to expand that. And I would, you know, I'm a believer in that health care is a right. And uh we look forward to Obama you know having his his uh programs um exceed i mean succeed and be continued
1: yeah, so you bring up a good point that there are very few states who haven't done this, and they're actually the the whole premise right is to get this money from the federal government to help us pay for health care for these eight hundred thousand people that live in florida um of course. That's our money. That's our money that we sent to Washington, D.C. in a form of tax, right? And so we're basically saying, yeah, we want our money back to help our populace. It's interesting that Kentucky has expanded Medicaid and they're doing extremely well there, even though um, Mitch McConnell was against it. So let's move on to public education. I know public education is something that is near and dear to you. Um, what do you think about the state of the public education system um, in this state? and what would you do in Tallahassee to um, either support what's happening or change what's happening now
2: okay so you kind of broke up on that question so could you repeat it?
1: yes um so the state of our public education um as a representative in house district 80 you'll have the option to vote for and against bills um for public education what do you think we're doing right in the state of Florida and what would you change?
2: Okay. So um, public education is very dear and dear to me. I, when I did go to college, I got a degree in education and I taught in the public school system in Collier County for a couple of years. So I understand that it was a very difficult job. You know, we were underfunded and understaffed. Um, And I think what, The state is doing right right now is is they did pass um, a bill that's going to raise teacher pay uh, significantly. It's going to make a difference. So we need to continue those reforms of bringing education back to the forefront. And public education needs to be our main focus. Ninety six percent of students in Florida are in public schools. So why aren't they our main focus right now? Uh, What I think they're doing wrong is I think there is too much emphasis put on the charter schools and funding of charter schools. Um, they, The way they are were set up originally, the voucher program was set up to help a few children who were not thriving in a public situation, a public school situation to meet their special needs. And uh, the, the system that was set up originally is being abused now. Um, I was looking a lot into that today and we, we need to stop the for-profit. You know, if they can get for-profit out, we could be fine, but they've been set up as a ruse. You know, they start off as their nonprofit school and then they have a a parent company that they pay most of the money to, that is uh, uh, to manage them. And it is for profit. So I, I think some of the things that that we could do better obviously is qualified teachers. I know here in Henry County, there's a great deal of teachers and I don't have the exact figure, but I hear it from the parents that I know whose teachers are not qualified. And they're basically uh, permanent substitutes uh, because they're having difficulty passing a state test. And either the test, the test is urgently too hard or we need to find people who can pass a test to teach. Um, I do also think that the uh, Henry County has put in a program where you can, if you're a teacher, you can carry a gun in school. And, and this is a real issue because children find it uh, upsetting to you know, go into a classroom and see someone carrying a gun. And, and I think it's a big mistake. I think it's led a lot of people to take their children out of public school here in Henry and, and choose to homeschool instead. So I think we also need to have funding for arts and we need to have funding for uh, extracurricular activities and for the band music programs. And with this money, you know, we don't see um, equality between uh, the type of education you would get in a um, in a charter school as opposed to what the public schools have to provide and, and share. So I think we need a more balanced. If if we're going to continue with charter schools, we need more balance. But it's going to be very difficult for the state of Florida to fund two types of school systems. And I, it's 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 uh, pretty much. Is it's, it's gonna be extremely expensive if that goes forward like that. So I'd like to see you know the charter schools melt away, so to okay. speak. Okay.
1: Um so you mentioned um in your introduction and you also mentioned uh, a few minutes ago um guns basically and the fact that you would like to see sensible gun reform. Um yes. what what kind of reforms do you think are sensible gun reforms? Obviously we have a second amendment that um you know gives people certain rights to carry firearms but the supreme court has ruled that that doesn't mean everywhere and every type of gun uh and now we're you know as a society we're really struggling with this um you know right. making sure that people's rights are um you know that we adhere to people's rights but also that we feel safe as a community and that um people that are qualified or you know are um pass a test or you know some sort of a waiting period so what is what does sensible gun reform look like to you?
2: Um, so I believe in the First Amendment. I believe in a right to, to bear arms. Um, I grew up in a family where guns were, were used. My father was an avid hunter and spent a lot of time, myself personally, as a young person out at Fish Eating Creek. Uh, uh, we, hunt for food. we ate food that we hunted. Um, but, I, but it's really gotten out of hand right now. And and we have a a gun culture that has led to many, many deaths uh, accidental and uh, through gangs and and other areas. So what we really need is we need to keep guns out of the hands of of violent offenders and and violent people, as well as um, people with mental illness. Um, We need to... uh, get red flag laws in place. And also, I would like to see institution of a buyback program, where guns were actually incentives were made to get guns off the streets. Um, I don't believe in assault weapons, I was all for the assault weapons ban, and helped, you know, try to sign petitions on that unfortunately didn't move forward. So those are some of the issues that I'm definitely very strong on, I'd like to see a registry we need to know where guns are and i'd like to close the loopholes at the gun shows yeah and uh, they work hand in hand you know you you have a police department that is trying to police and do the right thing in many cases and they don't know if the guy behind the door has a handgun or an automatic weapon and automatic weapons are just you know weapons of war and uh, the more the community is militarized with weapons of war the more the police department feels their need to be militarized with weapons of war. And we need to scale this down. We need to take away all weapons of war. There should be in war and we don't live in a war zone, but it feels like it sometimes.
1: Yeah. Uh, It does. It does feel like we live in a war zone. And sometimes it's not even uh, when you're talking about firearms, sometimes, um, you know, it's, it comes down to equality issues. There are things in this state that we still haven't done. Like, we haven't passed the ERA, the ERA has not been ratified. Um, we recently in the state of Florida, they just, or rather the Supreme Court just ruled that um, people uh, that are LGBTQ uh, cannot be fired from their jobs, um, but that that's 2020 for goodness sakes and they're just now getting protections at work. Um, right. So what, what do you see in terms of how we can be better as a state for, um, people, uh, that need equal protections. What kind well, of issues do you think that you would be a proponent of in Tallahassee?
2: Well, obviously, um, LGBTQ rights are, uh, a, a big issue on my, my table. Um, and I, I would definitely like to see the ERA passed. I believe it would bring not only rights to women, but also equality rights to the LGBTQ and other marginalized communities. So it is a very simple amendment and it should be passed and there's no reason why it hasn't. Um, I would also like to see us look at the racial disparities. I mean, we still have huge racial disparities and racial inequality in this country and in the state of Florida, we have not right here. So we need to see you know, more uh, support for for uh, for all people that have suffered with um, trying to 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 struggle in this country for equal rights, so I would do all I can. If the bill came across my debt and it was concerned about this, I would definitely vote accordingly.
1: Okay, okay. Um, so one of the things that is uh, at the forefront of a lot of people's minds is. Um, water quality we live in southwest florida where we have um you know our environment is our economy a lot of people come here uh for you know to enjoy our beautiful coast even now during COVID, people are coming right and um so tourism is definitely part of our economy but agriculture is too and for both of those to be successful you need a healthy environment what what are the things about the environment what environmental issues are you going to Focus on uh, during your candidacy and then when you get to Tallahassee, what are the things that you think we need to focus on as a state?
2: Well, um, it's a three pronged question, really. Um, You've got your environmental uh, needs and you've got water quality, uh, I I think, is a big part of that environmental needs. Um, We definitely are doing some things right. It is through the community pressure that we have seen um, Governor DeSantis sign a bill just this week to help um, start back septic system uh, inspections. So that's a first start. But we still have lots of pollution that is happening at an industrial level. And in Henry County, a lot of that is through the farming industry. So those people that have been polluting, they need to be held accountable and they need to clean up what they've done and so water it's just such a complicated problem but it it shouldn't have to be it, it shouldn't have to be because we all need clean water whether they're human beings or it's the animals or or it's uh farming believe me farming wants clean water too mm-hmm. um so if you're looking at um uh, clean water and the water problems i think we, we need to look at across the board. So we had the blue-green algae and, and the red algae blooms, and they were coming from dirty water in Lake Okeechobee, going east and then going west out of the state instead of going south from Lake Okeechobee and into what is now WaterStar Everglades National Park. And so we need to continue that program of Everglades restoration that creates water ponds and retention ponds south um this will help clean the water there needs to be a way for that water to be filtered as it goes through that system so that what when it comes out is cleaner than what they're getting and then we will see you know a whole huge uh, rebirth in Everglades national park of the birds that will come back and and all the animals across the board that uh that thrive there and you know right now it's pretty much a dead zone um So, I I mean, for me, my biggest issue in environmental is, is Everglades National Park. And we also need that water to go into Corkscrew Swamp Sanctuary, which over the last few years has seen a decline in water. So, once again, this is a difficult question because you also have growth. More people are coming to Florida and you also have agriculture, which also needs the water. So, we have a finite amount of resource of water that has to be spread across everybody's table. And we need all people to come to that table and do our best to make sure that the needs of all are, are set. So, but my, my choice is to send the water south to purchase more land for conservation efforts south. And that I know that this that's land that's been used for farming typically. Um, and I believe that the farming industry will find other ways to uh, find lands to, to grow food. We need to keep some land in the same question set aside so that we don't lose all our farmland to uh, growth at the same so, time. It's a very complicated question.
1: It is. It's, it's a complicated question because there's so many stakeholders and everybody benefits a little bit more than someone else depending on the way that the laws yeah. are written.
2: We know that everyone is going through a tough time right now and many have lost their jobs or have had their pay cut because of the pandemic. Your local Democratic Party is a fully volunteer force of dedicated Democrats who are continuing
0: to work hard to defeat Donald Trump and elect Democrats up and down the ballot for this November. This election is the most important of our lifetime, and we see how important it is to have competent and effective leadership in all areas of government, from the White House
2: to the State House. Every donation to the Collier County Democratic Party supports Democratic candidates here in Collier County and helps us to educate, register, and motivate voters to get to the polls. Please go to www.collierdems.org. That's www.collierdems.
1: Um, So, and fracking is one of those things that we've been talking about in the state and um, you know at least in southwest florida fracking became almost a real danger in uh i think it was 2008 or so uh what are your stances on fracking do you see fracking as a possibility is thumbs down okay
2: <laughs> i mean that's just get rid of it i mean whatever i mean fracking is uh, fracking is really dangerous um and it's dangerous in in uh, this area because of, our underground rock is very porous. So everybody gets their water almost in this rural areas through well, well systems. So it's coming right out of the ground. And, and in 2018, I believe or they were discussing, let's put a bill and we'll just put the dirty water back in the ground and then it'll be gone, which is another obviously just unimaginable uh consequences that would come from bad decisions like that so the good part about fracking is that because of um the economic downturn that we're seeing we're seeing a rise in um more um economical uh clean energy and we're seeing with everybody staying home with this shutdown you know all of a sudden. Oil prices tanked, you know, they had their nice little oil war over there, which was kind of cool, um, to be honest. And so I'm hoping that if we can keep, you know, oil prices super low, we won't even, fracking will become a non issue. But we still need to pass laws to make it stop. Yeah, you know, I
1: need, think you're right. I think you're right. And one, of, one of the things you said, you said a lot of people in rural areas. Uh, live on well water. They have well water. Well, the truth is all of us have well water Whether you live on the coast of Florida or in the you know in the agricultural areas Some people happen to have a well in their backyard But uh, some people when they you know turn that faucet on that utility that's supplying water to their home has a well somewhere in Florida yeah. Um, yeah. In You know for us in in Collier County those wells are out in Golden Gate Estates and um, Yeah, fracking would basically Contaminate those wells first before they contaminated the well in my backyard. So fracking is an issue that would, yeah, it's not when, it's uh, it's not if, it's when, you know, that that fracking would affect our water. Um,
2: and it would bed. happen very quickly. It would happen very quickly. A few years back, they did a uh, study. I think it was the Kool Aid test study. Do you know about that, Anisa? Yeah. So and, and they they pushed into the ground up here just below the lake. Tons of red dye, Kool-Aid red dye basically. And uh, within hours it was showing up in Miami's canals. And now everybody's drinking the Kool-Aid. Yeah, I know. It's pretty bad. <laughs> it's so, a it really yeah. happened. Yeah. So I mean that's how fast water this water system underground is moving. It's uh, a yeah. so, fluid.
1: As we as we clean the water and send it south, we're also recharging our aquifers. And if yep. we expect in the state of Florida to Um, continue to increase our population at the rate that we are, then we're going to have to protect our future water supply. So, yeah, you're absolutely right about that. Um, I would like to talk a little bit about how people are supposed to afford to live and work here. Um, You know, one of the things that uh, was very clear to me when I was trying to uh, find a place, a a little house for myself, and I have friends who are now looking for, um, you know, an apartment or a condo, And it's really it's expensive living down here. And we have this affordable housing trust in Tallahassee that's supposed to be helping people, but it's not. So where is the disconnect? And, um, you know, so what I guess, one, what are your thoughts on affordable housing and how it's um, being kind of um, implemented? And uh, what would you do uh, when it came to helping people um, and affordable housing, helping them to afford living here and
2: working here? Okay. I'm glad you asked that question. Uh, for the last uh, 10 years or so, I've been working as a realtor. So I really care about housing and I care about getting people into housing. And um, I think uh, owning your own home is the quickest and the fastest way towards uh, families having stability. And um, this what Sadowski, did I say it right? It fund was formulated about, I don't know about maybe 25 years back. And it is, funded on a regular basis through the documentary stamp program. So when you buy and sell a house, uh, there's documentary stamps that are paid on that, which is a tax. And part of that money goes into this fund. So it has a general revenue stream that's consistent. But for the last um, 17 years, that fund has been being raped by the state of Florida. And the tune of this year, $225 million out of that fund will be diverted from giving Uh, assistance to uh, low-income families, and it'll be instead paying the light bill up in Tallahassee. So how can we, that fund is so important because it provided not only down payments for low-income people for them to buy homes, but also provided rent assistance for different uh, groups of people, also provided for repairs on home. Let's say you uh, had become disabled, and you could no longer live in your home unless it was retrofitted to work with a wheelchair. Now, where were you finding the money for that? Well, it was this fund that would you could apply to that and get the money for those yeah. home repairs. But it's not this, a danger. Kind of yeah, the fund so would- So this is an email confirmation of the, uh, I have to well, put There's, an app to there's, there. the there's it, it a is, caller
1: that just came on. Um, if you could mute yourself, I'm gonna try to mute everybody here.
2: But in addition, that fund would partner with uh, developers to help purchase land at a reasonable rate so that affordable housing then could be built on that home, uh, on that land to provide homes. And so this is a really important thing. Another thing we could do is lower impact fees. You know, we have lots of different developments here uh, in in this district that are not being utilized. We have Golden Gate Estates, which has tons and tons of undeveloped lots, which should be developed, but we've got impact fees that are astronomical, makes it more difficult. We've got also right here in LaBelle, Port LaBelle is huge, and there is there is thousands of lots in there that just uh, uh, that could be developed and provide more affordable housing. You could get a house here in LaBelle for about 150000 Um, Brand new. So, I mean, it it is different, you know, different areas where everybody wants to go, then the prices go higher. And um, so you also need to provide jobs for people so that they can afford to live there. Collier County's got a huge problem because they've got so high on pricing, they don't have the housing to provide for police officers or or school teachers or nurses or or other jobs that are needed to provide for for those people that need services so
1: yeah i i know that there are people that will not work i mean qualified good people who will not uh work in collier or lear um parts of henry because the housing is so uh so much and uh they just can't afford to live there based on what they're getting paid so yeah, I think it would be great if police officers and teachers could live and work in the communities that they serve. And spend their paychecks in that community, too.
2: I think that would be great. So last uh, legislative session, there was a bill on the table to refund that um, for the state of Florida to put back into the funding the money that had taken out. So it's about three billion dollars over the last 17 years that they've taken from that fund. That yeah. could go a long way in helping a lot of families be able to afford a house in Collier. Right.
1: Yeah. And that's, that's absolutely right. The Sadowski fund is set up for specifically this, right? Helping people to repair their homes, especially after hurricanes or just to make it livable. If if you find yourself uh, now in a wheelchair or something, but the Sadowski fund was, it's the intent. It's one of those things that we've seen from Tallahassee for so long, right? The intent is there, uh, but there's no follow through because they just kind of, sweep the money out of those uh, special funds. Um, one of the things that I wanted to talk about was um, uh, teacher pay, uh, Governor DeSantis, and you you did touch on this. You said Governor DeSantis um, increased teacher pay. Um, for Now, is this for all teachers or is this for um, first-time teachers, do you know?
2: Um, I'm not real sure. I think it also is retroactive it, for other teachers who've been in the program because I I could have to get back with you on that question, to be honest. But I do believe that if you are falling below what his new cap is, you'd be moved up to that cap. But I could be wrong. So, okay, so
1: I'm going to start. I'm going to start taking uh, questions from the chat box. Uh, we have about 15 minutes left. But before I take questions, I did want to acknowledge uh, Mr. Joe Thomas. Joe Thomas is the Uh, Chairman of the Hendry County Democratic Executive Committee. So, Joe, thank you for logging on tonight. Um, It's an honor to have you here. Um, So let's go ahead and take some questions from the chat box. So uh, the first question that I see um, from Molly Cook, the science does not support opening up our schools. What do you think should be happening in August?
2: Um, I think we should... Not be opening if if we don't have the numbers coming down, then um, I think we should continue with the program that we started at the uh, at the at, in March and April May for the end of the school year. So I think we we could do more with virtual classrooms and uh, and work from home type of situations, but I I think it's dangerous to put children back in schools and just assume that you know that they won't get sick. I mean, just a couple days ago, a little 11-year-old girl died from COVID. So, I mean, are we really risking everybody's lives? You know, how many grandmas need to die before we... um, I I would go with no. Okay. You know, I I think stay with the course until we follow the CDC guidelines, until we see the numbers come down to the near zero, or we get a better way uh you know we get the vaccine that would change things uh, if we get the rapid testing that would right. change that's change. Yeah. i mean a fluid question right yeah okay change.
1: um so mr cummings asked there was only a 43 percent of hispanic voter turnout in the 2016 election how do you propose to increase this number
2: um it was a 40 percent Forty-three percent across the board, or just uh, within the Democratic Party? I think it was across uh, the board. Yeah. All right. Well, I think you know this next election is going to you know increase voter turnout just because of the nature of, of what's happening. I would hope. And well, I do plan on doing a, a lot of outreach in Amacoli and in different uh, Spanish communities. I. I plan on trying to uh, contact and, and get in contact with them through their radio uh, communications that they, they do a lot of radio. I, I do believe you do need an inroad into the community and um, most Hispanic uh, communities from what I've observed is that they are very tight knit and um, they, they usually have like family parties on Saturday nights through their homes, at least they do here in this community and uh, i would like to get involved and uh, visit some of them in their homes and, and speak more to the issues that are important to them
1: okay um so lorraine is asking are you saying in florida money is taken from public schools to charter schools private schools it's this way in Michigan. i think she's referring to the fact that when you're talking about when we we're you were talking about funding private uh sorry public and charter schools um concurrently right. so yeah, are you saying Florida money is Florida. taken from public schools?
2: Okay, so Florida has a voucher program. I believe there's uh, at least two different types of vouchers that you could get to put your kids in, in, in a different school situation for school of choice. And so the money is taken via the voucher and it follows the child. The problem is, is if the child doesn't thrive in that new system, they can actually be kicked out and go back to the public school system and the money stays in that charter system. That's so there's exactly. no yep. checks and balances. So you're moving money. Uh, also, I listened into the Governor DeSantis' May cabinet meeting, which was broadcast live. And within that, a Nikki Freed um, asked a question about the, uh, the bill that was being worked up that they're working on right now that will enable charter schools to become hurricane shelters and uh he answered her question which was we don't have that bill ready yet for publication but they're looking at that so they they would take public money that they would use to build new schools to build and to shore up charter schools so that they would be hurricane shelters now whether or not that bill comes to fruition or not i don't know but they're talking about it they're talking about taking public money and building private schools that are technically not for profit. But yet, in many cases, most of that money is siphoned off to uh, other companies that are for profit. And uh, the majority of the money goes there. So Mm -hmm. I would um, say that's the best way I can answer that question with the knowledge I have. And when I get more knowledge, I can answer it probably fuller. (laughs) Oh,
1: so you're one of those people, when you know better, you do better.
2: <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. I got Okay. Try and learn as much as I can about yeah. a topic. So Yeah.
1: Um our next our next question uh is something uh that I'm I was curious about as well. Uh do you support the Black Lives Matter movement? And how do you feel about efforts to decrease police funding in order to increase funding for other community organizations instead?
2: Um I do support the Black Lives Matter movement. I have been to a Back Lives Matter rally uh, recently. Um, so yes, I do support the movement. I think whenever you keep uh, people down for a long enough period of time, they're going to rise up. And uh, we have kept people without clear paths to good jobs, good education, health care, affordable housing, the list goes on and on. We're taking away their voting rights, you know, we're taking away the citizens' initiatives. I mean, people are angry, and they have a right to be. Um, as far as the police department, there is systemic racism within our police departments, um, and and that needs to be rooted out. You know, and that needs to be rooted out with transparency, and um, and they need to be held accountable when things happen. So we need to know if a police officer, you know, has committed or had, uh, you know, complaints against his record. And, and all those fall under this big umbrella called the police um, bill of rights. So there's this bill of rights that protects the police. So when when someone is given a badge and then they are put out there and they have new rights, they can arrest you, they can put you in jail, but they're supposed to follow a code. And, and that is all laid out in the, that bill of rights. And so maybe we should look at that and um, and revisit that. And yeah, see. I
1: agree. Yeah, I think we need to get back to protecting and serving, right? That's what the police right. is for. It's um, think,
2: the yeah, citizens. I, safe. This is where it goes hand in hand with the buyback, buybacks, buy you know, because police, you know, they go out and they risk their lives every day to help people. Um, and, and the majority of the police do that but we keep this escalation going so if we could get some of those guns of war out of the hands of people i think it would calm the police down too um and and we could get into more community policing you know we're one of the few countries in the world where so many people die from gun violence so i don't believe an entire defunding of the police department entirety um i think the police departments are important but I do believe that we need to revisit the bill rights, and we need to hold police accountable when they break laws, and we need to keep uh, police brutality in check.
1: Okay. Um, what about um, what about we're switching um, <laughs> switching here to uh, sustainable energy? Um, what oh. are your thoughts on how Florida can play? an important role in sustainable energies. Is it something our state needs to do? Are we doing enough? What kind of things would you like to see on the sustainable energy front
2: in Florida? Well, Florida is the Sunshine State. That's our nickname. And uh, we do have a lot of sunshine here. So, um, you know, we are moving, we need to move towards a clean energy grid in the state of Florida, as opposed to a dirty fossil fuel grid. So, uh, there's different things that we can we can do. I, I'd like to see solar panels on every house. I'd like to see new construction uh, building permits include uh, uh, solar and battery powered um, you know collection stations. I would like to see uh, an energy you know you know at, at the um, turnpike at the, at the rest stops we could put in Uh, stations that are solar powered that would generate electricity so you could recharge your electric vehicle. And that would go a huge long way of helping us get onto a clean energy track. So I believe in the state of Florida right now, our energy companies um, have lobbied very hard to try and keep um, people from being encouraged to, to put solar in. Um, They have programs set in place that discourage that. Um, And their buyback rates um, that they have for their meter rates uh, that that purchase the energy that's created on a house are are much lower than um, they, they should be. So we pay right now about 11 point something cents per kilowatt hour for electricity from the power company. But if we put in a system the buyback rate is like 2.4 cents. So then the uh, electric companies, you know, they manage pretty much are managing themselves. They limit the size of the, the system you can put in, which doesn't account for future use. If you want to get an electric car, you're going to need a lot more power. Um, and, and this is a way to keep you from uh, reaching that point where your cost to put in the system has paid for itself. So it keeps people from from utilizing what could be a quick and easy way for us to keep uh, energy costs down and also uh, look for, you know, making effects that would help us with climate change.
1: Oh, climate change, yes, yes, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) So um, we've been talking about medical marijuana in the state of Florida for a while. What is your stance on medical marijuana and what is your stance on legalizing um marijuana for recreational purposes that's something that I, I would imagine that you would be handling at the state level
2: um well medical marijuana is here so uh it's already happening i mean i can't sit i'm not against it it's um you know for the most part um there are uh avenues where marijuana can help uh many people Legalizing marijuana—once again, I—I I don't think that's um, wrong. To be honest, we have uh, a lot more problems with more dangerous drugs than to worry about marijuana. I think we have a lot of people incarcerated right now for silly uh, marijuana uh, use, and it's right now—you know—it's pretty much legal anyway if you just have to get a doctor's note and you can get all the marijuana you want. Right. So, or to a, a so. Why not just legalize it? Make it a lot easier.
1: Well, and that's one of the things that is, um, you know, that's where we see a lot of racial disparities, right? In the number of people and who are in, incarcerated for um, possession of marijuana, um, you are more likely to go to jail if you are black and have marijuana for recreational purposes than if you're white. And that's not an opinion. That's a fact. That's how racial uh, disparities uh, work in that sense but um so yeah that would do a lot to even the field too you know um we we only have a few minutes left so I want to make sure that people get a chance to um, hear from you basically once again um, to tell us uh, why you're running but uh, before we run out of time I do want to thank you for your time today and I want to encourage people to go to your website and learn more about you and um, you know, volunteer for your campaign and uh, get on Team novasad because we need people that understand the issues and are willing to listen to people in their districts to truly represent them. And that's why I'm so excited that you're running for State House District 80. So uh, novosadforflorida.com is the website. And um, the election is on November 3rd. Laura does not have a primary opponent. There is a primary challenge on the Republican side, so we don't know who her opponent will be until after the August 18th primary election. Uh, But Laura's name will be on the ballot um, for the general election on November 3rd. So please make sure um, that you look for her name if you live in her district and vote for her. And um, also make sure that you are registered to vote by mail, because right now, uh, with the way that um, we're seeing COVID numbers go up, If you can safely vote from the comfort of your home and track that ballot after you uh, return it, that's the best way to do it. So, Laura, thank you for being here. And um, I would love to hear from you one last time on um, what you'd like to see in District 80, your kind of vision for District 80 and how you um, as a state rep
2: can help make that happen. Well, um, my vision for District 80 is that, you know, we flip it blue. (laughs) Uh, We need to, I, I think we have a good chance, to be honest, uh, you know, we have a majority of people that are, are working families in this area. And so my big issue really is I'd like to see um, us, you know, anybody who wants to join my campaign, I, I would absolutely love to have you uh, join it. And. Um, so my vision for District eighty would be that uh, we continue uh, to to grow sustainably, that we we look for um, a brighter future. and um, we have, you know uh, everglades full of birds that uh, are thriving, and we at the same time are producing the food we need uh, to feed the world. So, I would like to end with um, with a small statement and that is, um, would be my closing, which is, you know, folks, um, it's time that we take a stand in life. And um, there comes a time that you have to make a decision. Are you gonna sit down or are you gonna get up? And right now I can no longer sit down. I'm gonna stand up and I'm going to uh, make this run for office in District 80 so that we can see change in Tallahassee. And I'm asking you as a people to stand up with me. I I can't do it without your help and I need it. So I'd like you to join me in this fight uh, because we can all do better. And I'd like to see us do that together. We need new leadership and I'm asking you to vote for me so that I can lead you to that better future. So vote for Laura uh, for State House Representative 80, and I'll be um, honored to serve you thank you for your time today.
1: Laura, thank you so much. It was a pleasure thank to you have Laura. you with us. Good luck. Good luck, so Laura. Thank you. Uh, thank you. I hope that we can do this thank again. I, I think this was really, uh, really, uh, informative for all of us. And if you have the time to do this again, I'd love to do it again. Yeah. So.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, thank you so much and all those people that, that came on, you know, I do need help. I, I need a fundraiser really fast. Uh, my, my main opponent is already putting signs up all through Collier County and Collier County is the biggest swath of, of individuals. I mean, Henry County altogether is about 45,000 people who will uh, in, in population. Yet my part of Collier is over a hundred. Yeah. So Collier yeah. is my, is, is, is a big part of that. So. It for Florida dot huh Right.
1: Dot okay. Thank you so much. Everybody have a great night. Stay safe, drink water, and uh, we'll see you all again next week uh, when we do our candidate spotlight for Sarah McFadden. And this will be, uh, this recording will be on the Collier Dems website in a few days. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Thank you. Bye.
0: Thank you guys for listening. You could find out more about Miss Nova Sed's campaign on our website. Thanks to Agent 13 for the theme song. Please remember to rate us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We have 110 days left until election day. Make them all count. Hope everyone is staying safe out there. until next time, so long.